I've taken the time to study the all 22 coaches film from the Buffalo Bills playoff loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm sharing my top takeaways today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Well, folks, it's time for the All-22 review, the last All-22 review of the season. And so we're going to break down what the film revealed about the Bills' loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll do the offense in the first segment defense in the second segment and then I want to close out with a few remarks regarding the remarks that were made by players uh, during the media clean out day uh, on Monday there were some interesting comments from Gabe Davis uh, Mitch Morse Micah Hyde Leonard Floyd so I want to talk about those here as well today but we'll start with the offensive film against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think a lot of this is straightforward, both offensively and defensively this week. And I know that there was a lot of frustrations from some regarding the way the Bills played the game offensively. Josh Allen had 13 attempts behind the line of scrimmage. 28 of Josh Allen's 39 passing attempts were within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. Average depth of target, not very far. Everyone's wondering, where was the down-the-field passing? Where was the vertical elements of this passing offense? Well, it it wasn't there because the Bills didn't try to do it. There was plenty of things the Bills tried to do to create explosive plays in the passing game. But the Kansas City Chiefs weren't having it. They played coverage and took away a lot of what the Bills wanted to do down the field. And then when Josh tried it, when he uncorked the deep ball three times, his receivers let him down. Two awful plays on the ball by Trent Shurfield, one by Steph Diggs. Trent Shurfield is unable to show any quality ball skills on the first one where he can't elevate, can't go get the ball, makes a you know, like a a very underwhelming attempt with one hand to kind of catch it. The next one is just like catching a punt and he can't do it. Like there's no resistance. It's not a hard catch at all. He just can't catch it. And then, of course, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs taking away greatness from Josh Allen, uncorks a 75-yard bomb, and Stephon Diggs can't bring it in. And Stephon Diggs was was dreadful in this game. The first play of the game, he gets that perimeter screen completely misreads the leverage of the block, goes inside when the leverage is outside, and he fumbles, 
then the very next play, he has to get to a second window opportunity to make himself quarterback friendly, and he can't get there, and his route is not flat enough, and it goes into the coverage, and he gets hit at the catch point, and he can't make the catch. I mean, Diggs was a dud in this game. Season's on the line. Diggs has got no one to be mad at but himself this time. Couldn't make plays down the field. But more than anything, the Kansas City Chiefs just capped everything. They played with vertical leverage, safeties over top, and they played coverage, and they dared Josh Allen to be patient. And you know what Josh Allen was? He was patient. He did the smart right thing with the football almost every time. And when he took those chances down the field, the receivers let him down. But make no mistake about it, this wasn't a situation where the Buffalo Bills went into the game and said, we're just going to run the ball and throw short passes. They wanted to push the ball down the field. Folks, there was nowhere to go. And that's not okay either, right? You want to have play concepts that are designed to get people free down the field. You want receivers that can separate down the field. You want receivers that can find space down the field. Like, I totally get that. But if you think that this was a mindset of the Bills to not try to work the ball down the field and create explosive plays in the passing game, it just wasn't the case. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. And so Josh Allen did the smart right thing with the football, and he put the team in position to win the game. If you're disappointed in the offense, I don't know what to tell you, that they were very good in terms of what they were able to produce. Scored 24 points in this game. That's the second most scored against Kansas City all season long, 24. This is the number two scoring defense in the NFL. The Bills got 27 first downs against Kansas City. That's the most they've given up this year. The Bills were 50%, 7 of 14 on third down, 2 of 3 on fourth down. Kansas City on third down defense this year is 37%, and the Bills converted 50% of the time. The Bills got 368 yards against Kansas City. That's the second most that Kansas City gave up all season. 182 rushing yards, by far the most Kansas City gave up all season. The Bills were 75%, 3 of 4, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Kansas City's red zone defense, 50% this season. And they did all of that on only eight possessions. I mean, the Bills' offense did their part in this game. The defense is what let them down. And we'll get to the defense, but I know there's a lot of frustrations out there about how the Bills chose to play this game offensively. And to me, they did the smart right thing and put themselves in a good chance to win it. And credit to Josh Allen for not forcing throws down the field when there's nowhere to go. I mean, if you're part of our Discord channel through the Lockdown Bills subtext community, I put clip after clip in there. I was like, people, he wants to throw the ball deep. There's nowhere to go. And then Josh Allen was able to scramble or he was able to find a check down, right? There was plenty of offensive production. It just didn't come in the way that maybe you wish it did. But certainly gave the Bills a chance to win the game. Offensive snap counts. The Bills ran 77 offensive plays. Josh Allen, the quarterback, all 77. At running back, James Cook, 39. Ty Johnson, 21. Latavius Murray, 14. Reggie Gilliam, 5. At tight end, Dalton Kincaid, 48 of 77 snaps. Dawson Knox, 31. David Edwards, 21. Quentin Morris, 9. At wide receiver, Steph Diggs, 69 of 77 snaps. Trent Sherfield, 66. Kolo Shakir, 54. Deontay Hardy, 9. Andy Isabella, 1. And then all five 
starters on the offensive line played all 77 snaps. And the Andy Isabella one is the one that really kind of confuses me. And I always expected him to have a small role, but like one snap and then he would he have a couple of opportunities where he was deep to return a kick. And you chose him over Matt Hawk, right? Because you can only elevate two players from the practice squad. So you wind up just cutting Matt Hawk. I don't know. I don't I don't feel like I don't feel like whatever decision, whatever process went into the decision to have Sam Martin punt in this game and have Andy Isabella play over Matt Hawk, I don't I can't reconcile that. It doesn't make any sense to me. None at all. I and I you figured Andy Isabella at most would play five, six snaps of offense. He played one. Played one snap. So not sure what that decision-making process was all about. But offensively, thought Josh Allen did the smart right thing with the football. When he tried to splash in the greatness, his receivers let him down. Trent Shurfield and Stephon Diggs. And obviously, again, bigger questions to be had about opportunities down the field. Why weren't there more? Do you have the wide receiver talent to be consistent pushing the ball down the field? But that Chiefs defense is disciplined. They stay leveraged, they take away space, and dare you to try to force the ball down the field. And if you do, you're going to get in trouble. And the Bills didn't, and they had a lot of production. But unfortunately, their defense really, really, really let them down. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment, so be sure to stick with me. Folks, the NFL playoffs are here, but there's still plenty of time to get in on the action over at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you simply place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is super easy to use, and there's so many different ways that you can bet, like a live same-game parlay. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. They have a parlay hub and more, including spreads, player props, over-unders, everything you can imagine over at FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, folks, let's talk about the defensive side of the football, and it was a dreadful day. A dreadful day for the Bills on defense, and a very uncharacteristic day based on what this defense was during the win streak. They went seven in a row, the last six of the regular season, plus the Steelers game. And so much of what was true about the defense during that stretch just wasn't true against KC. The Bills allowed 27 points. That's the most that they've allowed since the Eagles game. 361 yards, the most allowed since the Eagles game, which was their last loss. This stat right here is just crazy to me. Kansas City was one for five on third down. And not that one for five is a good conversion percentage, but the fact that they were only in five first downs, are you kidding? They were skipping third down. It was first down, second down, first down. First down, second down, first down. It's bad defense. Chiefs had what they wanted. Kansas City averaged eight and a half yards per play. Eight and a half yards per play on average. And of course, that does take down, that does take away the four kneel downs. Eight and a half yards per play. Bills didn't get any sacks. They only got pressure on eight of 25 dropbacks for Patrick Mahomes. Their blitz game, they only blitzed him twice. Last time they played Mahomes, they did these five-man pressures where they contained him and really collapsed things around him. They only blitzed him twice. There was just mismatches. 
it was it was hard tape to watch from a Bills perspective because you just realized that you had some slugs out there that couldn't play. AJ Klein front and center. And thanks for everything, AJ Klein, last week. Coming off the couch. You, the guy's getting ready to go on family vacation to Key West. The Bills bring him in. The next thing you know, he's starting playoff games. And boy, oh boy, he wasn't up to the task. And that was one of my fears, right? I said on the podcast last week that, you know, Eddie Faulkner, who is an interim offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mason Rudolph, a third stringer, you know, they're not going to be able to take advantage of an A.J. Klein to the level that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes can. And boy, oh boy, did that show up. Whether it was getting roasted in coverage against Travis Kelsey or just not being able to bang in the box either. He couldn't. I mean, Klein was getting pushed all over the place in the box. And so, like, when one of one eleventh of your defense is that guy, it's going to be a tough day. I don't think Rasul Douglas was right. He didn't look right to me at all. And Douglas is not a very athletic corner, and when you're a very unathletic corner that has some ailments and it's not moving at your best, it's going to be a tough day for you. I thought Dane Jackson was a disaster out there. He looked completely out of sorts, completely out of sorts. The defensive line impact was just non-existent, out of gaps against the run. Pass rush was just nowhere to be found. I mean, it wasn't hard to figure this out. The middle three of that Kansas City offensive line, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, they completely controlled the game. And then you have an elite quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, a top-tier running back in Isaiah Pacheco, player like Travis Kelsey. It's easy to play offense. Easy. And I think the biggest question that I have about the defensive performance is at what point were you going to sit here and watch this happen over and over again with A.J. Klein getting cooked, and then whether you point to Rasul Douglas or Dane Jackson, neither guy played well. Like, at what point did you think to yourself, maybe you put Dorian Williams and Kyer Elam in there? Just put the more younger, more athletic guys out there. Because it wasn't working with with what you had out there. And I know that there's not a there's a not a swap everywhere that you can make, but as I'm watching that game, it'd be I'm thinking to myself, would it really be worse? Would it really be worse? And you know me, I'm I've never really been the guy that would like pound the table for just putting a guy out there because they're young and have upside. You know, I, I can I can understand you want familiarity, you want to have somebody that you trust to execute the defense that is vision oriented and pro, you know, there's a lot of checks. You gotta be able to do function right at a, at a high level, but how how many times are you going to watch Klein get cooked or Douglas get cooked or Dane Jackson get cooked and think to yourself, you know, maybe we just need a better athlete out there. Somebody that's young in their career that has some fight in them, right? Just didn't, just didn't see it in the guys that were out there. It was a completely different story compared to what we watched last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think the offense gave the Bills a chance in this game because the defense didn't have a prayer because the Bills' offense was able to control the clock and limit the possessions. I, I think both teams had, what, eight possessions in the game. That gave the Bills a chance. Now, obviously, you wish that you just played better on defense, but you just too many mismatches. And perhaps the most disappointing element was just the defensive line. That's the healthy unit, right? You knew you had injuries in the linebackers, and, and with the corners. But your defensive line, all these investments, Ed Oliver, 
Greg, I thought Gregory so played well. It's hard to put much on him, but Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, AJ Epinesa, Leonard Floyd, like where were these dudes? Where were these dudes? Not making plays for sure. I mean, that's what's disappointing. And it feels like every year in this elimination game, right? Whatever one you want to point to, Bengals last year. I mean, the, the D line couldn't take advantage of like an entire backup unit for the for the Bengals. Go back to 13 seconds. I unfortunately watched that this past week. Just to, I don't know. I just wanted to watch it, and the pass rush was non-existent. Go back to the AFC Championship game. Pass rush is non-existent. Like the D line certainly has its moments, and I thought it had its best moments of the season this year. Like I thought it was the best defensive line the Bills have had. But where were they once again in the playoffs? Nowhere to be found. Studs and duds. Uh, studs for the Bills. I have Josh Allen as a stud. Spencer Brown is a stud. Deion Dawkins is a stud. Khalil Shakir is a stud. And David Edwards is a stud. I thought Josh Allen played a phenomenal football game. He deserved a much better fate. Much better fate. And I thought the tackles, the Bills tackles, Brown and Dawkins, I mean, Josh wasn't really facing a lot of pressure. And those guys held their own. thought there was some trouble on the interior, but Spencer Brown and Deion Dawkins did their job. Khalil Shakir, stud. I mean, the plays that he made this postseason, whether it was last week against Pittsburgh or the crazy catch that he made on the third down before the half that eventually set up a touchdown or the touchdown catch that he had, just unbelievable stuff. And then David Edwards is playing, you know, 20 snaps a game and doing a great job in giving the Bills a a big-bodied guy to work with as this like utility blocker. And I thought he was phenomenal against the chiefs duds, Stefan Diggs, just a disaster of a game for him. You needed to be able to lean on him. And is this just going to be the deal? Whenever you play the chiefs, Legarius Sneed's going to lock you up and you can't make a play. There's not, it's not even like back and forth. Like I can, I can respect that. Like good on good. Somebody, when well, one guy makes a play, the other guy makes a play. This is just, it's one-sided. This is your kryptonite. Legereus Sneed, he's a great player, but I mean, come on. Trent Sherfield, absolute dud. Absolute dud. Two great opportunities down the field to make a play you couldn't. And then there's other times where, I mean, the Bills are trying to get vertical stuff, and Trent Sherfield's just Velcroed to the corners. A.J. Klein, and it's tough because A.J. Klein was, like, retired. I get it. But... Boy, oh boy, was he dreadful in this game. Dane Jackson was dreadful in this game. And Dane's a guy that usually plays pretty well in these spot starts. But boy, oh boy, was he terrible. And the defensive line, like totally duds. All of them. I thought Greg Rousseau, actually. I'll take that back. Greg Rousseau played well. And look, Von Miller had a few moments as well. But the rest of them, MIA. And then, of course, Tyler Bass. Obvious dud, right? Could you imagine? I mean, just an awful postseason for Tyler Bass. Now you have to hope that he doesn't have the yips and he can figure it out, but just a dreadful postseason for Tyler Bass. A bad season. Bills reward him with a big contract, and he rewarded them with a bad season. I know that there's some commentary out there that was like, well, Tyler Bass missing that field goal delayed having to watch Patrick Mahomes go down the field and lead a game-winning drive. He didn't do it the last two times the Bills played the Chiefs. 
He was in. He had the same opportunity this year when the Bills beat the Chiefs, and last year when the Bills beat the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes had a chance with the ball on the last drive, and he couldn't do it. And were the circumstances of this game different? Yeah, I mean the Bills' defense was playing so bad, but they actually played a little better in the fourth quarter. I'm not going to sit there and concede the fact that Mahomes was going to lead the drive. Like, make the kick and give yourself a chance. The game's over because you couldn't make the kick. So those are your studs and duds for this game, in my opinion. All right, we're going to talk about the Bills players had some some exit media sessions on Monday, and some interesting things came of that. I want to make some comments on that here in just a moment, so be sure to stick with me. But folks, you shouldn't have to worry when you're looking to buy tickets for your next big event. Well, you don't have to because game time is here for you. And it is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have killer deals on last-minute tickets, all-in prices, views from your seat, and a best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. The app is awesome. They have flash deals. I love that. Sometimes I just log in, see what flash deals are available in my area. And they're, uh, The app is also easy to navigate. And they also have uh, this deal where they send you the tickets right to your phone. So if you don't, if you buy tickets, you don't have to dig through emails to find them. They go right to your phone. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, folks, uh, the Bills will have more of their formal. Uh, press conferences on Tuesday. We're going to hear from Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott on Tuesday for their year-end press conferences, and those are always the most interesting. That's when they get the most honest, right? There's a lot less coach speak, a lot less just bluff answers where they they get pretty honest, and so I'm excited to listen to those. We'll probably talk about that a lot in our next conversation, but we did hear from uh, several players that had some interesting remarks that I want to comment on here as we start to think about the future of this team and, and what players are going to stay, which ones are going to go, some of the big decisions that are coming. Uh, we'll start with this one. Josh Allen met with the media, and he fully endorsed Joe Brady to be the permanent offensive coordinator. said, he has my vote. He wants Joe Brady to be the offensive coordinator. And I know a lot of people, your first reaction to that is, well, Josh Allen wanted Ken Dorsey to be the offensive coordinator. Okay. All right. I mean, I, not much I can say there. I think Joe Brady's a better offensive coordinator than Ken Dorsey. I don't think Ken Dorsey is quite the disaster that some people make him out to be. I think that he needed to run a different style of offense and present different options for a quarterback like Josh Allen. But I, I think that Ken Dorsey can go somewhere and be a very good offensive coordinator for somebody. I just don't know that Josh Allen was the right quarterback for him. But your franchise quarterback came out once again and said, I want Joe Brady to be my offensive coordinator. And so, you know, Sean McDermott's got to figure that out. And I think Joe Brady should be the leading candidate, but I also feel like there should be some due diligence, right? This is a premier offensive coordinator job. You think, you know, somebody that's not going to get a head coaching job would be lining up for the opportunity to work with Josh Allen. And so while I am all in on Joe Brady, I think that Sean McDermott has to have a serious process here to vet it out. So QB1 says he wants Joe Brady, and, and I think 
there's also a piece of that conversation that's important because uh, there's a lot of criticism out there for some teams and they don't feel like their their quarterback has enough influence and say, right? You, you've seen this before and it sours relationships. So I think there's there's two sides to it. So don't don't just be dismissive because Josh Allen wants Joe Brady and you also want a Ken Dorsey and you don't like Ken Dorsey. There's a lot of value in listening to a player like Josh Allen and allowing him to have influence and in what's going on with big decisions, especially who the offensive coordinator is. But I do think that there should be a legitimate process and I think Joe Brady should be a leading candidate, but I'd be talking to, to more, to more people. Micah Hyde um, and Jordan Phillips made some comments on Monday that lets you know that they're contemplating retirement. You know, Micah Hyde, 33 years old, the neck injuries have been very concerning the last couple of years. And, um, you know, he said that he's going to, he's thinking about things, right? He's not ready to make a decision, but he's at least thinking about it. And, and Jordan Phillips came out and said, this might be it. You know, a couple of seasons here with the Bills and uh, injuries at the end, right? Was it shoulder last year, the wrist this year? And I don't know. I think I think Jordan Phillips is, has been a pretty ineffective player. I, I certainly think his best days are past him. Um, and I know that, you know, there's a lot that goes into to playing a season. You know, you got to get yourself ready to go. There's a, it's a big commitment. And so if he's thinking this might be it, I'm guessing this is probably it. So uh, both of those guys are expiring contracts. So if the Bills wanted them back, they would have to be under a new deal. Uh, but at least right now, it feels like Micah Hyde and Jordan Phillips have one toe in the water when it comes to considering retirement. Gabe Davis, uh, free agent wide receiver, his contract is set to expire. And Gabe Davis said that he's open to returning to Buffalo, but he does he did say that he anticipates hitting free agency in March. And so um, he also made a comment that there wasn't any contract discussions during the season. So I don't know that the team and the player really have felt each other out to understand where the Bills think Gabe Davis's market is and where Gabe thinks his market's at. So they need to have conversations for sure, and that that will happen. Um, but, it, you know, Gabe didn't come out and say, you know, my priority is to come back to Buffalo, right? He said he expects to be a free agent. So I think the Bills should let him walk. Uh, I think some team's probably going to pay him a lot more money than I would be willing to. And all the best, all the best. Um, Mitch Morse, Bills starting center said that he intends to return next season to the Bills if the Bills will have him. And Mitch Morse is uh, one year left on his contract. And so that's obviously interesting. I know that there's some cap savings to be had if the Bills did move on from Mitch Morse. And you know I know Ryan Bates is a player that they have under contract. So I'm not sure what the Bills are going to do with Mitch Morse, but Mitch Morse came out and said that he wants to be back. And it's his intention to return. He's under contract next year. If I had to guess here, I'd say that he will be back as the Bills starting center. Based on information that I've gathered about the team and Mitch Morse, I'd be surprised if Mitch Morse wasn't back next year as the Bills starting center. Uh, Leonard Floyd, a free agent, uh, set to be a free agent, one-year deal with the Bills. He said that he'd like to stay in Buffalo, but he'll go where the money is, right? So, Leonard Floyd coming off of what, 10 and a half sacks. He's been, in terms of sack production over the last five years, probably as good as any player in the NFL. Um, 
but he said he wants to play for a contender and he wants to go where the money is, but he'd like to stay in Buffalo. And here's the deal. Like Leonard, I said this yesterday in the podcast. I am not stressing about guys like Leonard Floyd. Plus 30 years old, probably a pretty expensive player. Just that's those aren't the players that move the needle for me right now. And Micah Hyde falls in that bucket. Daquan Jones falls in that bucket. Leonard Floyd, like expiring contracts on 30 plus year old players. Like at some point you got to start getting younger and cheaper. And I think there's some great opportunities for the bills to do that. And so I wouldn't be lining up to sign Leonard Floyd back. I wouldn't. So we'll see what happens there. But I thought those were the interesting comments. Again, Josh Allen wants Joe Brady to be the permanent OC. Micah Hyde, Jordan Phillips uh, contemplating retirement. Gabe Davis open to returning to Buffalo, but does anticipate hitting free agency. Mitch Morse would like to return if the Bills will have him. He is under contract next season. And then Leonard Floyd would like to stay in Buffalo, but he's going to go where the money is and wants to play for a contender. So there you have it. Some all 22 reviews, some comments from the Bills today. Tomorrow, we are going to hear from Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. I do plan on spending our next conversation breaking down those comments, and then we'll start to look at some performance review stuff. I want to really evaluate this operation and break it down and talk about the right path at each position group and you know, with the coaching staff, with, with Brandon Bean. I want to assess him. We're going to really put everything under the microscope here uh, as the week comes to a close into the next coming weeks and uh, lots of lots of fun off-season content here. I really like to spend the initial part evaluating, and then we'll start talking about, okay, well, what specific moves should the Bills do? What players should they be targeting, both in free agency and the draft? So we're going to get some get into some big-time roster-building team management uh, conversations here in the coming weeks, and those are some of my favorite conversations, right? I, I love to talk about games. Trust me. I, I want to talk about an AFC championship game. I want to talk about a Super Bowl more than anything in the world, but that's not in the cards for us this year, and I really love the roster uh, construction piece of of the NFL, and we're going to really dive into that here in the coming weeks. So don't miss anything. Make sure that you're subscribed. We'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.